Before we get an opening statement from Mr. Hicks, I'd just like to remind everybody that if you are not asking a question, we ask that you please place your phones on mute. Uh, with that, Mr. Hicks, if you have an opening statement, you can go ahead now. Great. Uh, thank you. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us here uh, this afternoon. Uh, I look forward to your questions and just have a, just a brief uh, remark or two um, in that we're, we're talking about the, uh, uh, the report, uh, the RAND report uh, entitled Alternative Fuels for Military Applications, which was just uh, uh, released to uh, DOD and, and to, the, to Congress here yesterday. Uh, so we have some serious reservations about the, the report, about the conclusions in the report. But before I get into that, I'll just say, you know, that uh, the Navy uh, has really been, and with the Secretary of the Navy, uh, Ray Mavis, has really been leading uh, the way uh, here in the Pentagon towards uh, on, on, on energy issues. And so uh, we've been focused uh, since he's announced his five goals back in October on, uh, on a range of issues. Uh, most notably, that uh, uh, that kind of applicable here is that by uh, 2020, 50% uh, of our fuel will come from alternative sources. And so we've been very engaged with the alternative fuels industry, uh, the players that are in that, uh, the associations that represent those folks, as well as the the uh, financing community, the pri private equity, venture capital, uh, and we, as you know, based on that active engagement uh, with industry have uh, and come to some far different conclusions than, than this report suggests. So uh, our, I guess our, our issues are, are summarized, though, as, as this. Uh, in short, uh, we think there has been a lack of engagement uh, with the authors and the, as we consider the leading voice on alternative fuels uh, in DOD, and that's the Secretariat of the Navy. Uh, we also, uh, we have not been uh, consulted and had not been uh, asked to provide input to this uh, at the secretariat level here. Um, and second, we think, uh, again, in, in talking to industry, uh, we feel like the, this engaged uh, the industry in an adequate way to get a really good sense as to what's uh, happening uh, within the industry. And as a result, uh, unfortunately, we think there are some uh, misrepresentations, uh, and we also know there are some factual errors, certainly as it relates to uh, the Navy's uh, testing and certification efforts. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, we don't really feel this is up to RAND's standards um, uh, for, uh, for uh, this type of work. So uh, there, there are some other issues we have, but I think with that, I'll just, I'll just end it and see if there's some um, uh, questions. Uh, but again, I think you know, we're, we're looking at this uh, maybe in a broader context, you know, uh, from an energy independence and energy security point of view, we, we feel that alternative fuels and specifically biofuels uh, play right into those discussions. Uh, so uh, we feel that there are absolutely uh, national security uh, issues at play as it relates to alternative energy, and uh, we feel that that is not properly recognized within this report. Uh, so I think with that, I'll, I'll end and see if there's questions. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, so, several others joined. Um, do you, can I get your names? Anybody else? Yeah, Craig Hooper, Next Navy. Craig Hooper. And anybody else? All right, well, we'll go ahead to our first question then. Tom, you are first on the line. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Hicks. Uh, my name is Tom Goring. I'm with Navy Cyberspace or NavyCS.com. Um, the report notwithstanding, it was kind of damning to the uh, alternative fuels business, as it were. But I'll move along to my question uh, concerning nuclear power. 
Uh, we right now have submarines and aircraft carriers that uh, run very efficiently on nuclear power. Uh, why aren't, or when are we going to start moving toward other platforms? Over. Okay. Um, well, I, I don't know that that's the, the point of the discussion here today, but I'll, I'll just take a, a brief, uh, address it just briefly, and, and know it's something that's been looked at uh, in the past and continues to be looked at. Uh, my understanding, though, is we really need uh, fuel petroleum to be at about 150 to $200 a gallon uh, in a sustained way for just the economics of uh, nuclear power in other platforms to make sense. So it's one that I know is, is, is uh, looked at and continually studied, but, you know, the economics, as I understand it today, just don't uh, bear out. But that's not to say they won't in the future, uh, and it's something that we'll continue to look at. And uh, Amy Held, you are next. Yeah, um, I'm from uh, Morning Edition at NPR. You mentioned something about um, factual errors in the report, as well as it not taking um, into account uh, national security issues. Just expand on that. Sure. You know, one of the errors that were in the report, and again, this gets to from our vantage point, just kind of gets to the lack of engagement here with the Secretariat. Uh, you know, again, we've been very vocal since October of 2009. Uh, about what our goals are and what our objectives are, and, and very vocal ever since that point uh, in terms of what we're doing. Um, and uh, you know, so so one of the key areas that we that's mentioned is it talks about uh, just as an example talks about a uh, uh, the the fact that the Navy has its own Fisher Tropes testing and certification program, and kind of goes at length on that. Uh, we can give you the, the page number. I want to say it's around page 58 of the document, which simply isn't true. We don't have a Fisher Tropes testing program, and uh, you know our program is exclusively on biofuels. And uh, uh, I'm not sure if the author is getting as confused with others, but we, we just don't have one on Fisher Tropes. But there's a, a lengthy piece on that. I think starting on page 58 of the document that it gets into that. There's some other things that I would say, just the characterizations of the marketplace as well, not being able to produce the fuels uh, in the quantities and the price points uh, that, again, uh, our view in, in talking to the industry, that doesn't seem to square with what we're hearing, not just from the companies themselves, uh, but but from the, the uh, their equity partners uh, as well. And then, frankly, as we're talking, we, we also dialogue and, and work closely with other government agencies uh, USDA and, and DOE, and again, this, the information doesn't square with them uh, as well. In terms of national security, I mean, one way to look at this is that, you know, for every barrel of oil that we can remove from, uh, that, that we don't have to import from countries that do not uh, care for us, care for our policies that much, that is financed by yet another country that does not care for our, our U.S. interests or our policies very much. Is a, is a barrel and replace that with a barrel of oil from here in the United States produced uh, uh, with American labor produced, uh, uh, you know, by American companies is is uh, goes right to our our national security interests. So um, I don't know if you're looking for more, but that's what I'd. That, that was fine. Thank you. Okay. And Robert Crow. Yeah, I have a couple questions. Is that okay? If I ask more than one. Uh, just keep, if you can, keep them, keep it very brief. Excuse it, but thank you. Um, you know, uh, hi there. Uh, how much has the DOD uh, invested in biofuels? I, I think one of the reports today said about 300 million. Has, has there been a quantification of that? Uh, I don't have that off the tip of my tongue here, but that's uh, some information that we can get. I, I don't know if I could speak for all of DOD, 
but we can we could probably pull that for DON. I don't or for the Navy. I don't know that I have that at the tip of my fingers though. Uh, but what we're doing right now is going through a uh, an R and D program basically to to look at the different uh, types of fuels, and we're bringing those in, and they're going through some very uh, uh, in depth testing, not only of the chemistry uh, and the qualities of the fuel. Uh, but also then uh, obviously testing them in the in the various platforms that we're doing. So we, we've got uh, a, a very robust testing and certification program focused on biofuels. Uh, your next question. And one more real quick. You know, sure. what would you say to members of Congress who read this report, you know, as they're looking for programs to, you know, to cut in the Spending Reduction Act of 2011? Well, you know, um, you know, I, I, I guess I would uh, – Say that this is, you know, doesn't necessarily represent Rand's best work. I think it um, reads more uh, opinion than necessarily uh, research founded in active engagement with industry and those leading uh, the industry. So, um, you know, I, I guess I would ask that they look at it in that light, um, and you know, as a, you know, yeah, as, as more of an op-ed than uh, serious research. Thank you. And Andy, Andy, you still on the line with us? Uh, yes, Andy Manchi from the Federal Times. Um, part of the, in one section of the report, um, they talk about how the military even uh, exercising uh, its purchasing power can't really affect or drive markets in a significant way with the total amount of fuel that they're looking to purchase from alternative sources and biofuels. Could you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely, and this is another area where I think um, the Navy and, and DOD can lead the market in, um, in, 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 in toward a mature biofuels market. We can absolutely do that. Uh, and when you look at uh, the, the amount of fuel that we use, uh, you know, we are two percent of, of the petroleum in the United States. Uh, that said, we are the single largest consumer of petroleum. Um, uh, however, when you compare our use relative to commercial aviation as an industry, uh, we're, we're significantly smaller than, than that industry. Uh, I think with all the inherent challenges that the aviation industry has, um, uh, that uh, you know, we all see in terms of all the different fees and things that they now structure upon us, uh, you know, just to kind of cover the, their, their costs uh, on other areas, I think that's kind of reflective of, you know, I don't know that they necessarily have that ability to lead in the way that uh, the Navy and DOD can. So I think um, we can act absolutely be that um, uh, the leader of the making of the market, and I think that's a role that DOD has historically played in many other areas, whether it's been the Internet, GPS, night vision goggles. I mean, you can go down a line of many different things, and specifically with the Navy, you know, as it relates to, to our fleet, you know, we've led uh, numerous energy revolutions, you know, so going from sail uh, to oil, oil to coal, bringing on nuclear, and I think this is yet another area where we can uh, help lead that, that market in, in transforming and bringing on biofuels into the mix. And Sandra. Thank you. Um, this is Sandra Erwin with National Defense Magazine. Uh, Mr. Hicks, I wanted to ask you about the, um, the price point. You said earlier that um, oil would have to be $150 a barrel to make it uh, worthwhile vis-a-vis -vis nuclear power. Um, what is a comparable scenario for biofuels 
And as a subject to that question, you said the report does not reflect the assessments from industry. Um, how do you know that industry is really giving you factual information and data as opposed to sometimes they tell you what you want to hear? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to that second point, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's always a concern. Um, and I, I think, uh, I, I guess part of what gives me confidence, maybe a couple things. One, uh, again, being engaged with their, uh, the, you know, private equity markets, being engaged with the venture capital. And again, you may get some, um, uh, different depictions from them as well, but, you know, they're putting serious capital on the line, investing and doing their due diligence. Not to say that's the sum total of, of, of our efforts and due diligence, but I think that says a lot to, uh, you know, you know, what, what makes for a wise investment. Uh, uh, but that said, you're absolutely right. Um, we need to be uh, broadly engaged. And again, this is an area where I think we are, and it's not just with industry, not just with the equity markets, uh, but it's also with our federal partners as well and, and seeing where they're putting, for example, their, their grant programs and loan guarantees. Uh, and, and then the, the other point I'd point out, and this is one that was somewhat mentioned in the report, is an effort that DARPA has led uh, looking at uh, 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 an alternative um, uh, fuel industry, uh, specifically biofuels, and, and, and I guess more specifically, I think where they're at is looking at some specific feedstocks that would go into that. Well, as you get into that, there's some very detailed um, financial models that DARPA has required that really get into, you know, some very detailed business models of how this will, will play out. And uh, what we've been encouraged to see is that DARPA is driving that process down toward, uh, uh, on a cost basis, a dollar per gallon on a cost basis in the 2012-2013 timeframe. Um, and then when you kind of roll that up into price and figure into the, all the capital expenditures, that, that equates to a, a competitive price point with, with industry and where they are today. Um, so I think, you know, you're, you're start, we're starting to see these opportunities where we're going to have, you know, 2 million gallon uh, per year plants at competitive price points uh, with, with, uh, with no subsidies coming online. So that's, uh, uh, and, and that's just, again, based on that broad engagement, not, not just talking to the industry themselves. Um, I think to your first point, just as, you know, the, in terms of the, the price point, I think ultimately, you know, as we look at these fuels, um, and we look toward our goals in 2020, these fuels are going to have to be competitively priced with what they're replacing, in this case, petroleum. And we have all the confidence and given where things are headed that, that that's going to happen. And uh, it, it may, you know, it's starting to seem that it may be heading there sooner than we uh, maybe initially suspected. But that remains to be seen what the market can and will deliver. But uh, we're confident that, uh, you know, beginning in 12 through 14, 15, 16, that we're going to start to see uh, the emergence of a mature biofuels market that can compete uh, not only in the quantities but at the price points uh, with petroleum and, and uh, without necessarily having to have any subsidies. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Jared. Yeah, hi, sir. It's uh, Jared Serby with Federal News Radio. Um, you, you talked a little bit about the uh, Navy not having any active Fisher Tropes uh, research program. Can you talk a little bit about uh, why that is, especially given the fact that the report calls that the most promising near-term track? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. let me address that second point first. Um, it's interesting that this is called out as the most promising uh, in that 
it isn't being done in this country uh, today, um, and nor is the associated technology just to get it close to uh, having a, um, uh, a life cycle greenhouse gas emissions equal to petroleum. It needs carbon capture and sequestration, yet another technology that hasn't been done in this country to date. And uh, in both cases, I don't believe there are plans uh, on the books uh, to do so. This is primarily why the financial community has completely dismissed FT because they just don't see uh, it getting that it's going to be financially uh, uh, practical to do. So that's one of the the, the points. Is just the it's not going to necessarily be a financially attractive proposition. Uh, beyond that, you know, you get into issues uh, just as I alluded to just a second ago about its life cycle greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, we're not doing this to be green. We're doing this because it's the right thing to do because it has national security implications. That said, we uh, any barrel of oil or gallon of oil that we replace with uh, biofuels or alternative fuels is required by law to have a life cycle greenhouse gas emissions equal to or less than what it's replacing. Uh, and uh, in, in our view, Fisher Tropes just doesn't meet that. And uh, the author uh, contends that with carbon capture and sequestration technology, that, that's possible. Uh, according to the EPA, you know, when you look at uh, coal as being the feedstock, you couple that with carbon capture and sequestration, you still don't pass that uh, greenhouse gas uh, litmus test. Uh, that's required by by law. Uh, so that's 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 primarily the reasons why, as well as the enormous amounts of water that are required uh, for this process. Uh, this is uh, it's 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 you know tenfold times what it would require for uh, many of the uh, feedstocks that would be used for biofuels. So uh, for all those reasons, and then on top of all that, um, the uh, typical plant. Cost, I believe that even by the author's own words, I think around $5 billion or more. Uh, again, it just doesn't seem to be the practical, prudent course of action for uh, the Navy, and uh, that's, that's the reasons why we're not going to pursue it. Thank you. And Paul. Just listening in, thanks. Roger that. And uh, Carlo? Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Carlo. Um, it's uh, Carlo Munoz with Defense Daily. Uh, I wanted to go back to your earlier point. You noted that there wasn't, well, there was a concern that there wasn't a lot of um, participation by the by the service in some of the uh, some of the um, conclusions that were drawn in the report. Right. Can you give me an idea of why that was the case? Was this an instance where Rand just didn't reach out to the right people in the Navy, or that they took this their information with a grain of salt? Can you explain how that disconnect happened? Uh, you know, I think a lot of that's going to probably have to go back to the author. And so, anything I could provide at this point would only be conjecture on my part, or or information I've got secondhand. Uh, my understanding is that based upon how their authority was written, that they did not, um, were not required to solicit uh, comments from DOD, and if any were forthcoming, were not required to um, to act on those. But uh, again, this is uh, this is more secondhand knowledge on my point, my part. Um, so I, I can't speak to the. Uh, the rationale, I mean, it, it, I find it interesting that the author does mention Secretary Mavis's five goals in October 2009, um, but yet, uh, you know, did not seek any engagement with the Secretariat, uh, you know, at any level. Now, there may have been conversations that happened at different levels within the Navy, uh, but certainly not uh, from the policy and, and, and uh, 
uh, strategy perspective uh, that the Secretariat provides. Thank you. And Graham. Yeah, hi. He, the, the issue that he takes largely with biofuels is is availability of feedstock. He says that uh, animal waste, animal um, fats, waste oils, he puts a, a limit based on current availability used for other purposes of 25,000 um, barrels a day. And then he, he says that the, the two main seed crops, camelina and jatropha, um, are unlikely, on his estimation anyway, to, to come anywhere near making a dent on the supply. What's your response to that, and, and, and what are you hearing when you talk to producers and investors about the ability to, to get feedstocks in the quantities and economic prices that they need? Right. I think it's, it's kind of a selective look at the feedstocks. I mean, there are certainly feedstocks that have better yields than others. Uh, some significantly better yields than others, and also feedstocks that can be grown, um, uh, you know, multiple times per year, uh, twice, you know, have crops, uh, you know, twice per year or three times per year in some cases. And so I think, um, you know, if you if you look at kind of the, you know, most modest case available, uh, yeah, you might be led to those conclusions. But again, if, if, if in, in engaging with the market, you're led to a different conclusion. I mean, they're they're really mindful of these issues of uh, available land, available water, uh, and are really looking at how they can get the most yield out of the least amount of space as possible. And that just makes smart business sense. It makes sense that they would go down that route. Um, and so, you know, if you limit this to just seed crops, you know, you might be in, in just kind of the most modest, uh, you know, case from that. Yeah, you might be led in that direction. But uh, we do think there are a number of seed crops. You know, camelina is one that has uh, a lot of promise. Uh, it can be grown in rotation with, say, corn crops. It can actually return nutrients back to the soil so that, that, that the, uh, the farmers don't have to go out and get uh, uh, additional um, uh, uh, things to, 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 to uh, augment the soil. Um, anyway, but there's, there's there's a number of different things. So camelina is one, but also there's opportunities for feedstocks such as uh, algae, and and one of the areas that they're looking at both you know onshore and offshore algae production. And so uh, the DARPA project is looking at um, uh, onshore algae production, for example. Uh, there's a group uh, in New Mexico that's doing a very sizable uh, production plant uh, in New Mexico that's algae based. So there's there's a, a variety that we have, um, you know, the, the ships and planes and the fleet we have today are, are basically the ones we're going to have a few years from now and, and five years from now and ten years from now. Obviously, there's some new platforms coming online, but, but generally what we have today is what we're going to have in the future. So, the, so absolutely, you know, efficiency is important and we're doing things uh, such as looking and exploring uh, hull coatings, propeller coatings. Uh, stern flaps for our, our vessels to make them more efficient as they go through their dry docking. Um, but we think that it's, again, it's a both and. We, we have to do, uh, look at initiatives such as that and look for alternative sources of fuel. Uh, and so our focus is on, on both, frankly. Um, and I think, um, uh, and that's just the way we're pursuing, um, uh, our strategy. And Eve, uh, what, what was your uh, publication again? Oh, I'm with Marketplace Radio. Marketplace Radio, okay, thank you. And John, you were next. John Reed. 
Can you go back and um, discuss a couple of uh, other uh, factual errors that you saw in the uh, report? Yeah, I mean, we're still going through. I mean, what we were, what we saw previously were um, some what was was a, a very late draft, and then we're going through right now and going through the different ones uh, that we we have some challenges with. But uh, beyond the FFT, uh, and I'm just kind of going through my desk here to see. Uh, I've got a uh, the report here, and let me just pull that out, but. If we can go to the next question, if we can come back to this one. We may have time to come back to that. Uh, okay. Craig, uh, Craig Hooper? Yeah, hi. Uh, this is Craig Hooper with NextNavy.com. Um, you've characterized the RAND report as being more of an op-ed than a research study and not being an example of RAND's best work. Uh, given that the report was prepared for the Department of Defense, how much taxpayer money did RAND get to produce this, and will RAND be held accountable for releasing uh, such uh, flawed reports in the future? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to comment on that. I, I, I don't know the answers to that, and I'm not in a position to answer that. Again, these are uh, the Navy's position, or the Navy, this is not the, their, their best work, uh, but I'm not going to be able to comment on, on that. I apologize. And it's really going to be more DOD's uh, uh, ability to comment on that. Yeah. And sir, unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Um, did you have any uh, closing remarks you'd like to say? And uh, I, if you want, sir, you can send me that information that John asked, and uh, I can forward it to him. Okay. Well, yeah, I apologize, John. I, I've, I've got a bunch of documents on my desk, and I know there, there's a number of different things. The one that came to mind was the uh, description of the Fisher Tropes process of the Navy. So that's the one error that I know. Just in closing, again, I think as we go forward, you know, we are uh, uh, are focused on on meeting the goals that the Secretary has laid out, meeting the mandates that Congress has laid forward, and we really feel that our alternative energy strategy, specifically our approach to biofuels, uh, is the right one, uh, and and we have confidence in that position. Uh, based upon what we observe in the discussions we've had with uh, federal agencies, including USDA and DOE, uh, in talking to industry themselves uh, and in uh, talking to the equity markets, that, that the approach that we're on, the uh, where the money is being invested, you know, we have uh, what's interesting between these two technologies is today we have countless examples of plants uh, being financed, being constructed, that some that are already built, fuel already being delivered to the Navy uh, and others uh, uh, from the biofuels industry, America's biofuels industry. Uh, you cannot say the same about what the author uh, provides uh, in terms of Fisher Tropes. We don't have an example of that uh, in the United States. Uh, we don't have an example of the carbon capture and sequestration technology that it needs uh, to even be close to being uh, uh, compliant with, uh, with, with the law that, that we're required to purchase through. And, and so it just doesn't seem to be a, a practical solution. Where there is carbon, uh, where, where there is um, Fisher Tropes related or plants, uh, the, the carbon uh, associated with those, the greenhouse gases are twice that of petroleum. And just from a, uh, you know, a, a, you know, kind of national security point of view, that you know, the, the more that we can get off of fossil fuels, the, the better that will be. Uh, and that's kind of kind of comes from the QDR and, and other reports, such as the Defense Science Board put out uh, and others. So I think if we can be, uh, you know, we're going to stay focused on meeting the objectives that the Secretary's laid out. 
uh, as it relates to biofuels, despite uh, what this report would suggest. Uh, we're going to stay laser focused on uh, on working with the industry and uh, leading the making of the market uh, toward uh, uh, being a mature market and one that can produce fuels in the quantities at the right price points uh, uh, that that, uh, that that makes sense for the Navy that can power the fleet. So, uh, again, I just thank everybody for their time and questions and uh, uh, and would uh, be happy to be engaged with you in, in some other forum if, if appropriate to, if there's follow-up. So thank you. Uh, sir, thank you very much, and thank you, everybody, who participated in the call today. Um, today's program will be available online at the bloggers link on DADLive.mil, where you'll be able to access a story based on today's call along with source documents such as the audio file and print transcript. Also, for anybody on the line that I did not get your name, uh, and information from at the beginning of the call. If you want to stay on after the uh, after we hang up and give me that information, I can forward any of your questions um, to Mr. Hicks. Uh, once again, thank you very much. Uh, feel free to disconnect at this time.